Friday listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are coming at you as the Bengals get set to take on the Denver Broncos, and they're it's it's an important game that is for sure. I'm Anthony Casenza, joined as always by John Sheeran. Uh, happy Friday to you, John. What's going on, man? Happy Friday to you, Anthony. It's been a busy week for both of us. Um, there's been a lot of you outreach. Yeah, there's been a lot of outreach from the Broncos community this week. Um, I was on a program, the Mile High Roundtable, which you can find on YouTube at MHRT Network. So I was on to talk about the game there and the fine folks that uh, LA Bengals fan at that account, uh, Mark Herman. He, he runs it along with his pal Sam. They had me on last night. So definitely check out both of those programs as you kind of accumulate some some content leading up to Sunday's game. Yeah, they're tapping the talent of the show, man. They're getting uh, they're getting you all over the You're place. You were just busy. The just busy. I was the second. Yeah, option. right, right, right. Uh, hey, uh, that's yeah. Go check that stuff out. Uh, I think they we put a tweet out on the Bengals OBI account on at least the uh, the Broncos podcast that you were on. So I'm glad you're able to do all that. Rep the show. Rep Cincy Jungle. And of course, as we always say, you can keep it at CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, all of that. Is, is all there. And then, of course, we got you covered on the audio and video side in terms of coverage, opinions, analysis, whatnot. On this show, the Orange and Black Insider, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel right underneath John's uh, John's picture there and the SB Nation Cincy Jungle icon. There's a little icon there that you can click to subscribe and the bell to be notified for, for when we go live. We are oh so close to about 5,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is cool. And then... Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast channel where you get our show, Orange is the New Black from Mason Zim, and of course, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, all there. And you can get that uh, you can get that on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of that. Uh, we're all there. We're all there. So check it out how you can. Now, we're going to be getting to a lot of questions. We've got a few queued up here. We will be taking more. You can get those to us in a number of ways, whether it's through the live chats on our YouTube channel, on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, uh, through one of our Twitter accounts or our personal Twitter accounts as well. Get those over to us. The obinsider at gmail.com is the email address. We have a comment thread up on a post on Cincy Jungle. So no excuses. Play like a champion on this Friday. I know it's a little early, but uh, get those questions in how you can, you can also call or text us 949-542-6241. John, where where are we starting, my friend? I think we have to start here. Um, do you know a guy by the name Steven Aquafresca? I do. He is yeah. a uh yeah, he's he's a, a relative of of ours. That's uh great to hear from him. He's yeah, good guy. Well, awesome. That's pretty, well, yeah, pretty you're making, you're making him proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He lives he lives out of state. He's bounced around to a couple different states, I think. He's been in uh, Colorado and a couple other spots. Good to see Steven there. Uh we have to we have to reconnect. Uh we've done a couple of little, you know, distant family uh what do you call those? Family gatherings or family reunion type of things and weddings and whatnot but it's been a long time since i've seen him so good to hear from well, him. well it sounds like he's rooting for the broncos this week he, he is yeah he's lived he lived in colorado for a while so that is probably um that is probably what's what's going on there and unfortunately but uh <laughs> yeah i'm parting to, yeah there you go right there i'm parting directions with you this week the broncos are currently showing a lot of spunk and some discipline it's a winning combination they're looking scrappy merry christmas merry christmas to you too steve even though 
we're going we're going on opposite ends here this week but good to hear from you thanks for coming on the podcast all right steven i guess you're cool but uh, we had a question <laughs> about a woozier um and i guess we should do kind of like an injury recap because we didn't really have time to do that on Wednesday yeah, show. yeah yeah so as of today friday some developments have um come out of cincinnati Starting off with the Wuzier, he was put on the COVID reserve list on Thursday, yesterday, at, at the time of this recording. He will not be cleared in time to play Sunday. He will not travel with the team, but he's going to be out. Good news is for that, Trey Waynes is expected to be activated and won't be on a pitch count or a snap count, if you will. So effectively, they're replacing the Wuzier with Trey Waynes. Riley Reef, who is on IR, he was placed there on Wednesday. He is actually out for the year now. He was originally, I mean, you're on IR, you're automatically missing three weeks, but there's four games left. And according to Zach Taylor, his ankle injury, which has been kind of bothering him for several weeks now, is getting worse, not better, which makes sense. He's 33. You know, some of these things, they kind of take a toll on guys on the other side of that age range at, at that position specifically. So he'll be done for the rest of the year. His backup in Isaiah Prince has been dealing with an illness all week and has not practiced and did not practice today, Friday. So he's not going to play either, or he's very unlikely to play, which means the backup in all likelihood is probably Fred Johnson. And this has confused quite a few people because mm-hmm. Deontay Smith is able to practice. He's healthy. There was a chance that he could have potentially gotten play there. But the, the ruling here, or at least the belief here, is that Fred Johnson has practiced with the team at that position for the entire season and Deontay Smith has only recently been getting work at tackle of late. So I think they want to give Johnson at least that first chance because he's had more practice and he's been healthier for the most part this season. And he's also played in games at both tackle spots, I believe, in the Zach Taylor era. He started games for him. So, I mean, it's like he's got experience there. He even played guard in one game last year. It was a disaster. But, I mean, he played guard against Cleveland in the in the Thursday nighter there. But, uh, yeah, kind of a an interesting dilemma and a a concerning dilemma for the Bengals, especially with the Prince injury there lost in all of this is, you know, what about Jackson Carmen? I got a couple of tweets earlier today about from, from our buddy Logie um, talking about, you know, is Jackson Carmen, the next guy up. I said, I thought it was probably going to be Fred and not Jackson Carmen, but Carmen's tackle by trade. He was a tackle in college and, you know, whoa. I don't really know, you know, it, it seems as if the Bengals are, are probably going to go with Fred, at least as we sit here on Friday, but I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about Carmen and, and his potential of, of stepping in there and being effective that I, I, I know that their training path for him has been right guard. So I, I just don't, I just don't know that right tackle right now is in, in the immediate future for him. Right, and I think that's a similar case with Deontay Smith, and I think Frank Pollock has been on record for saying that, yeah, these guys have gotten most of their snaps in maybe a certain position, but now when the season is in full swing and these guys are reserves, they are expected to to fill in potentially in multiple positions, so they practice at multiple positions, but yeah, the path, at least for this year, has been to keep Carmen at guard, and that became the path for Deontay Smith as the offseason progressed, at least when he was healthy. So this whole uh, idea of him working at tackle even though he was a college or collegiate tackle, that's relatively new, at least under their uh, direction and development. So at least Fred Johnson in, in the past has looked decent at tackle. His worst games have definitely been at guard. And we can remember sometimes last year where he was just absolutely dreadful and they had to turn to him because they didn't really have any other options. So at, at the very least, he's not filling in at right guard where he was not very good last year. At least he's playing a position that he's comfortable with. 
Yeah, we are also in the, we've been graced by a number of stars lately here. We had uh, Mr. Jake Liskow come on our re- one of our recent shows of Locked On Bengals. We had Luke Knoll, the SNL alum, come on uh, the live chat the other night. And then we've got Mr. Joe Goodberry, who has been on our program as well, saying Burrow throws three touchdowns this week. Let's get it. Uh, Joe, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. Let's uh, let's hope that let's hope that Joe, Burrow. Joe must be so bored. He, he finally finished the Halo campaign. Now he's yeah, he's he's, he's in a break between us. some Halo multi multiplayer here, and now he's uh, he's saying hey to us. But good to, good to hear from you, Joe. Joe, you got to come on the show again too, especially well. We haven't we haven't been we've been blessed to not have to do the draft talk yet uh at, at this point in the season because the Bengals are in it so uh but that doesn't that's not the only thing joe specializes in so we'll have to have joe back on always an entertaining guest good to hear from him uh let's go to and by the way if you are so inclined we're going to try and get to um a bunch of different questions on the different platforms here and if you are so inclined to submit one and you want to use the super chat option those will take precedence but uh if if not hey we're we're still fielding all kinds of different questions from all kinds of different avenues here. Let's go to the text line uh, from the 513. I am not a big Zach Taylor fan, but at least he's not Urban Meyer. Does Zach Taylor have a trail of breadcrumbs is the text here by breadcrumbs. John, I assume that means something of, you know, some of the stuff that we kind of quietly heard about Urban Meyer for a little bit. And then it really got swept into the rug until they kind of came to light as a pro coach. I don't know if that's what that specifically means. My understanding is Zach Taylor's resume in terms of some of that stuff is pretty squeaky clean. It's more just, you know, where, where's the experience? How qualified was he at the time to get this job? I, you know, that's kind of the only breadcrumb trail that I can think of. Yeah, you don't want your breadcrumbs matching the breadcrumbs of Urban Meyer because they go no. well beyond what it was in Jacksonville. So I think there's a Zach Smith in zach taylor's life i don't think i mean i guess we can ask evan mcpherson if he's been assaulted this year by <laughs> zach taylor's right foot uh i think the closest Make the thing kick, to- Rook, right <laughs> did, did, did you know I, I just learned this actually I, did you know in jimmy johnson's uh first season as the cowboys head coach he i, I think the cowboys kicker was asthmatic and he basically said hey yo the, the asthma field's over there and like oh it was completely gosh. swept under the road. Like he would get fired. He went like one in fifteen. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cowboys sure, coach. Yeah. He would get a hundred percent fired in twenty twenty one. But back to Zach Taylor. Uh, I think the closest thing to breadcrumbs for him was Jim Turner, because there was a lot of things with Jim Turner that was attached to him, and that kind of backed him and and hired him obviously, and was loyal to him up to a certain extent. So other than that, no, I don't think he's been in the league long enough or he's been coaching long enough to have the type of rap sheet that Urban Meyer has. Yeah, I, you know, I think at that point that at this point that would have come to light. And right now, I mean, things are starting to head and finally into the right direction for the Bengals. I mean, it's not ideal where they are sitting based on some of the games they have dropped so far this year. But I mean, I think a lot of us can realize that, you know, the 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 ships seemingly headed in a good direction, a a right direction, maybe not the right direction at this point in time, but um, it's headed in a good direction. And uh, Zach, I, you know, I, I guess also going back to, to some, some things, the only trail of breadcrumbs now that I think about it that come to mind is the whole Jim Turner connection, right? That's kind of the only thing. And Jim Turner didn't cut the mustard for the his first two years with the Bengals. 
Zach gave him a shot. They're related, uh, I think, distant, right? They're he's they're married or they're cousins somehow, or they're this kind yeah. of an in-law familial thing. Um, so uh, you know, th- there's a relationship there. Zach gave him a shot, gave him a job after a lot of different things were following Jim Turner that were not good things and he gave him two years didn't work moved on and moved to frank pollock and lo and behold the offensive line is playing better not great because of the talent they have but uh they are playing uh, much better than they were under jim uh, jim turner so that's really the only trail of bread crumbs and everybody knew about that and you know that's that's basically it zach has preached a culture of character and has brought in a lot of high character guys leaders etc yeah, and at the very least, it, it's shown to be effective, at least from that culture standpoint in the pros, whereas with Urban, it was only effective in college. And who knows if there's other things that we don't know about that he potentially got away with, uh, whether it be Utah, Florida, or Ohio State. There's obviously a lot of stuff out now, and I think there's like already bioptics being made, and there's been researches and, and whatnot. So, yeah, the whole Urban, you don't want to be compared to that. And I don't think Zach is the type of person that would ever get to that level, but at least right now, no, not at all. So we're going to, if you're okay with this, I think I'm hijacking the last couple of questions here, but Joe, uh, we're giving him a That's little a bit segue, of a spotlight yeah. here. Yeah, we wanted to talk about this because a big talking point, uh, of course, Joe with the zing zing right there uh, with the comment, Zach kicks field goals, he doesn't kick kickers, meaning uh, there is a sentiment of, I don't know, gutlessness is the right word, but uh, conservatism. And mm-hmm. especially with, um the what the Bengals did last week in overtime right and then what what transpired on thursday night with brandon staley and the chargers they went for it a couple times were unsuccessful came away with no points and then that game goes to overtime chargers lose a heartbreaker at home against the chiefs now i know you have some specific thoughts on this i know joe does too but i'd love to get your thoughts i i have a couple on them too but but talk about kind of the the element about going for it in certain situations and not opting for the three going for a touchdown etc it's weird that we can have this whole discourse about zach taylor being a coward in overtime and and not kicking and not going for it in certain situations where he's kicked field goals and not putting the ball in his quarterback's hands. And then what we have last night on Thursday night, Brandon Staley going for five fourth downs, converting two of them, and losing in overtime, and having the game t- being tied to go to overtime. And the whole t- the whole talking point was that, yeah, if he just takes those points, you know, they're not in overtime and whatnot. If they just convert one more of those four downs of the goal line, yeah, they win the game. And that that's, that's the process, right? If you want to look at... Uh, models in terms of when you should go for four downs and when you should be going aggressive instead of kicking field goals. Four out of the five attempts were favored in in their favor in terms of win probability and like that's the right decision. The only time it wasn't was the first one and that was the drop unfortunately when Donald Parnum uh, did something to his neck in mid catch and ended up going to the hospital. So that was scary. I don't even know it, it, as scary as it was. I don't even know if if you can even like count that as like a, a mistake on their part. It should have been a touchdown if you know everything went the way that it was supposed to go. So the the process 100 was there, and the process will eventually lead you to wins, and it already has them to wins against the Browns and against the Chiefs. I think earlier in the season they opted to go for it instead of kicking field goals, and they won both of those games. It's just that it's a case of recency bias, just like it was with Zach Taylor. The the more recent examples of it failing, the the more 
fuel to the fire you give to these old heads who are saying take the points take the points take the points don't be don't be aggressive when you don't have to be don't be aggressive when your defense is playing lights out when you're playing the chiefs they can explode at any minute and then sure enough at the end of the game travis kelsey caught fire and they did explode and brandon daly was consistently ahead of that unfortunately the execution on the field didn't work all of this is uh, all of what you said are, are correct opinions, and I agree with them. And then, of course, Joe, John, with the correct opinion as always, meaning I always have the wrong one. Is that that's what Joe's insinuation is? At least that's how I'm taking it. Uh, look, here, here's the here's the thing that you have to realize in my book with this. I mean, obviously, it's situational, and you have to you have to kind of gauge how things are going. What what are the you know who's the quarterback you're playing? I think the Mahomes example that you brought up is is a good one. Here's the thing, though, and what is, you know, you can use specific statistics and analytics to, to tell you about, you know, going for it yields this amount of percentage success rate and what it means going forward in the game down the road, all of that. My thing with it is what you can't measure, and maybe some of it, some people don't subscribe to the, the what I'm going to say here, but the, the whole momentum swing, right? If you do not, what is not measured is a momentum in a game if you do not get those points. And I, I think, unfortunately, where you say, hey, you know, it just didn't work out this time. Well, next time we go down there, we'll go for it again and maybe we'll get it and it works out. That may all be well and true, but there are football is an emotional game. I think if you interview any kind of player, they'll they'll tell you that. And when a momentum swing occurs, that can that can just change the trajectory, the entire trajectory of of the game. The same can be said, though, too, of a missed field goal. Right. You go for a field goal, you, you you know, you go down there. And so, I mean, I'm not I'm not dumb enough to think that there's not a flip side to that that coin there. I mean, you go down there, you're moving the ball and you go, hey, you know what? Let's just get the points. And then all of a sudden your kicker shanks one and you got nothing. You go, what the hell just happened? Right. So I, I just think when we talk about this kind of thing and when there are misses, whether it's a, a touchdown conversion or a field goal conversion, there there is the momentum swing, at least in my book that may not be able to be measured but i mean that when you go and you look at certain points in games and if you go through the box score if you go through the play-by-play the drive summary all that kind of stuff you see you can see oftentimes when a touchdown opportunity is missed a field goal opportunity is missed you can see the tide even if it's temporarily turn in a game because of what i what i think is a little bit of an emotional swing that occurs with that yeah, and that's always going to be a part of it, and it's always going to be something that people don't believe that the computers, the simulations in this in this case, can't account for. But the the problem is that we're still attached to this idea that there are some plays that involve no risk, and you just explained that kicking a field goal is not a hundred percent guarantee, right? And that's the whole problem with talking about analytics we can't do this in good faith because there are some people who just only think in binary right if, if it works it was a good decision if it doesn't work it was a bad decision that that's not how statistical analysis works that's not how risk works in general everything is risk at, at a certain point you have to realize that a touchdown is worth double what a field goal is so if right. you don't get a touchdown right. like there, there is numbers and there's a process that goes into this if it doesn't right. work it doesn't work but but when it does work the process will show itself yeah. The only the only team that can uh, sit there and, and say, you know, hey, we're going to take the points. We're going to take the field goal. And we are certain about it. The Baltimore Ravens, because of who their kicker is. <laughs> he makes pretty much everything in every situation. So uh, them taking the point seems to work out uh, more often than not with than, than most other teams. We've got Terrell on the line calling in Terrell. I don't know if we talked to you 
last week or, or last time we did listener questions or not. But how are you, man? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? We're doing we're doing well, thanks. What's on your mind? Oh man, just uh, you know, uh at the even though uh I gotta tell you, man, I, I watched a lot of football in my years, man, my over thirty years, and I never seen a team shoot themselves in the foot back to back games. And I'm like, man, like it just it just it just sounds crazy to me, man. I mean, especially over stupid stuff and stupid reasons. And fundamentals, man. And I gotta say, uh, Zach is fine. I'm I'm cool with Zach for for another year or two. Um, it's a lot more worse than laying back, watched up coaches out there, or even even with you know with the uh, stuff with uh, Urban Meyer, man. I don't got time to be looking around for no no other bullshit coach. So I'm cool with uh, Zach. And I just feel like we got we got we got uh, like the fire up on us now. It's 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 game time now. It's over. We, we got to win these games now. Um, and I got to say, it's time for us. To, I know we, we get into the playoffs, but it's time for us to start looking at picks, man. I'm thinking I'm thinking of a, a pass and receiver tight end, a corner. Uh, I, I believe we're going to keep Spain and put Deontay Smith at right tackle hmm. and and, uh, and Brown, Jackson Carmen, some more in on guard or, uh, or, or swing guard or swing tackle, I mean, and uh, I think we're gonna get uh, Larry, uh, Larry and Jesse back, and we'll be all right. Y'all uh, hang out with a who day and be our thing, man. And um, hopefully, let's get this with you. All right, thanks, Terrell. Happy holidays, bud. Happy holidays, all right. Yeah, bye. So his one of his questions ties into a few others we received there, John. Um, and, and look, I, I want to address one the first part of what he talked about. Where he's, yeah, I'm fine with Zach. And here, so here's the thing: we we said earlier that things are headed in a right direction or a good direction with this team. They're in the playoff hunt, and this is kind of what you wanted second year under Joe Burrow, etc. This is this is the problem with that magical third year, in my opinion. Is it you expect strides and you expect positive momentum you expect hey maybe we'll be in the hunt and then when you have that tease in that third year you're you're you've experienced so much losing in these first two years where now that impatience as a fan base kind of sets in a little bit where you go hey hey, we're right there we're right there but there's still the, the you know what i'm saying there's this fine line to walk of this like impatience because of what we've experienced for the better part of three seasons and now they're playing well enough to potentially get into the postseason but you also have to understand that they're still deficient in some areas on this roster, even though the roster is much stronger than it has been. And their quarterback really, I I mean, he's basically got a year and a half of pro games under his belt based on the injury last year. And that's a year and a half also with his coach. So there's a fine line to walk there with that patience. I I think for more times than not, these things all tend to even out by the season's end. And it's why some like takes either after like the first couple weeks or maybe the first month and a half, they're dangerous because it's a long season and things tend to just kind of even now towards the end based off of what we kind of expected to happen. So when the Bengals were five and two and showing flashes of dominance against really good teams and some sense of consistency, you know, we start to adjust where we think they're going to end up. And they, sh- they show us that they're capable of being at a place where not many people expected them to be until maybe even next year. And then when they come out flat and they're now two and four since that five and two start, then the, the pendulum kind of swings back into, OK, this 
kind of fits more of what we expected in the preseason. I think Daddio, my my puppet co-host on DNH Sports, had a great analogy with this, and he said that the Bengals right now are like some of those young NBA players when their feet kind of move a little bit too fast on an open layup and they just kind of blow it because they, they've been able to have these dunks before. They've been able to have these flashes of dominance. They know what it's like, and they want to blow teams out 41 to, to 17 every single week because they've done that before against really good teams. And they tend to just, I think, just act a little bit too quickly. And, they, and they don't. That maybe it's a lack of concentration. Maybe it's just a belief in yourself that you can do these things, but maybe you're not quite ready to do it on a consistent basis just yet. And that's where we kind of see these these slow starts and these these shootings in the foot, if you will. So, yeah, I, I think they're at least showing that they're closer than we gave them credit for, but they're not quite there. And that think I think that fits in the line of the frustration that, that you were getting at to just the, the strides you're showing, but the consistency is not matching it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've taken like the last like four questions here. So I want to make sure you get, you get yours in as well. And uh, so I don't know where you want to go next, but um, we've got a few queued up. Uh, let's go to Chris Hubbard here in Facebook. He's asking, what do we think of Joe Bocci being a long-term answer at linebacker for the Bengals? I, I have a comparison in mind, but I want to get your, your take on that first. Long-term answer. What does that mean? Does long-term answer mean long-term depth answer? Does long-term answer mean starting long-term answer? Uh, I, I've seen it, you know, from his sample size, I think I've seen enough to say, Hey, this guy should stick around and be on the roster. I don't know that I would maybe a rotating player, et cetera, but I don't, I don't really know if I'm sitting here saying he should supplant so-and-so as a starting linebacker. I think he can be valuable in a number of different roles, special teams, rotational player on defense, and and that's enough to keep him around on the roster. That's that's kind of what I think as a long-term answer, depth, and a good guy to have on the on the roster as he's proven. Yeah, I think when identifying and describing like some of these role players, I think it's best to use former players for this team to give people an idea. And the guy that comes to mind is Vincent Ray, a, a guy who... I thought you were going to go there, yep. Yeah, like a spot starter who came in for injuries. And I think he had like a, a handful of like really good games that gave you, you know, at least some hope that he could fulfill a larger role. But at the end of the day, he's kind of a limited player, limited athletically. But he'll get the job done in certain situations. And I think because of that, he can last in this league a long time. And it's just a matter of if the Bengals want to keep him around. And Vincent Ray only stick, stuck around because, you know, there was a close connection between him and Marvin Lewis. And he was great for the locker room. So is, is Bocce at that? you know, intangible level yet. Obviously we don't know. He's only been here for a year, but I think the ability on the field matches that of like a spot starter. And it's just a matter of if they want to keep him around for the long haul for that type of special teams value and role play role playing ability. Yeah. Ray was also just a, a great dude. I think uh, he was kind of the, if I remember correctly, he was a Walter Payton man of the year nominee for the team and um, just a, a really good guy to have around. Um, like you said, kind of, a lot of times was uh, as a backup guy, special teams. I think he was a special teams captain along with Pierman at times and just a, a good player to have. But like you said, limited in terms of a long-term starter. Another guy that comes to mind a little bit is Dan Scuda, a guy that was a special teams guru for the Bengals. And then he parlayed that into a nice contract and actual defensive playing time with the 49ers when those two teams were just, hey, let's trade player for player, player <laughs> during the Harbaugh era. Um, so I mean, that's another guy that kind of came to mind. So yeah, uh, you know, I, again, I think he's a good guy to have around. I just don't, I think when Wilson's back, he's the guy Pratt's playing a lot better 
And you got B- Bocce in there to kind of come in and do a little special teams work and help you out on defense, take some snaps and and relieve some of the stress there. And Andrew Seiler um, reminding us that Vincent Ray is still with the team as the team chaplain now. So there's oh, okay. beyond just the, the Marvin That's Lewis right. era for him. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, we're going to be here a little while longer taking your questions in a variety of different ma- uh, manners, whether that's call or text at 949-542-6241 on one of the live chats on the post at cincyjungle.com in our YouTube channel on our uh, Cincy Jungle Facebook page or Twitter, wherever else. We've got a lot of things going. And before we continue on with some questions, John, we got to tell the folks about symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com slash, whether it's backslash, forward slash, whatever you want to call the dang thing. Uh, OBI, you got to go there. And symbol is where you can kind of play a sports version of the stock market. You buy shares in a specific team and you can use that for short term gains, long term potential and make some money off of teams you are either passionate about or ones that you see a good financial opportunity. And when you do that, Symbol, when you go to symbol.com slash OBI, you got to use the promo code OBI because, John, there is a special incentive for our listeners. That's right. Symbol is giving OBI listeners or just anyone who has the OBI promo code up to $500 of your initial deposit. That means if you go to Symbol dot app backslash forward slash obi let's use forward slash you know i'm I'm going full in on the forward slash just so we just so we don't have people in the comments claiming <laughs> clamoring for us to say forward slash if you go to symbol dot app forward slash obi and you sign up using the promo code obi up to five hundred dollars of your initial deposit becomes risk-free for the first 90 days that means you can do anything you want on the symbol market for the first three months that you're on there. You can invest in teams that you believe are going to be good in the long term. You can buy you can buy low. You can sell high on your favorite teams or just teams that you're knowledgeable about in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and Power 5 college football. And up to $500 of that initial deposit is completely free for the first 90 days. So if you don't like the symbol market, if you're losing money, if, you, if it's just not for you, you can take that money out risk-free right back into your pocket where, where it belonged in the first place symbol is not holding that against you they want you to try their product because it's a lot of fun it is the stock market for sports and get in some of this money man because symbols making it a lot easy for you guys absolutely go check it out symbol uh there this is you know just kind of thinking back real quickly on the vincent ray thing what a what a cool career for the guy uh undrafted free agent played with the team uh, got on March of 2016, signed a three-year, $11.5 million extension. And then after his retirement in 2018, now he is with the team as a team chaplain as Andrew Seiler. So it kind of comes full circle. Pretty cool little career sending around the Bengals in football. And he's made a good living for himself as a football player. Really kind of overachieved um, based on his non-draft status and uh, what, what he was able to do with the Bengals. Uh, cool, cool little 
career arc there. I just uh, I did a little research on him while we were doing some different things. And uh, Andrew talking about him being a team chaplain was something that kind of, you know, made me think about his career arc, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that, I think, in, in the Lewis era that just ended up having you know, better careers than maybe it, it would have been if they went to some other teams. And that was one of the positives of having Lewis around for, for as long as he was. And they found a gem in one way or the other in Vincent Ray. Text from 661 area code. I think that might be in uh, 661 might be California. Um, hello, are the Bengals waiting on the playoffs to unleash defensive tackle Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels, if you are following him on <laughs> social media, dude is getting after it in his workouts and just saying I'm prepping for my moment whenever it comes, however it comes, etc. I don't think the Bengals are planning to unleash Mike Daniels um, from the playoffs. I think they have a very good veteran reserve defensive tackle if, God forbid, something happens to one of the many talented defensive interior linemen that the Bengals have. So I don't think they're sitting here saying, all right, here's the secret weapon. We're going we're gonna to bring him out for the postseason. I just think they have a really good contingency plan in place. And kudos to Mike Daniels, a guy who we love because he's been on our program, what, three times, four times? I, I so, you know. Uh, but aside from that, dude is like in his 11th or 12th year in the NFL. He had to swallow his pride, go on the Bengals practice squad this year, and he – at least by all appearances, John on his social media accounts is working his ass off uh, for, for his next opportunity. Well, there's never been a more important time for practice squad players to be ready because with, with COVID and everyone going on the yeah. COVID list in the last two weeks, like th- things happen and, and teams need as many able body players as they have. Look at Kyle Shermer. You don't remember him. He was the practice squad quarterback for the Bengals in the offseason. He could be starting for Washington this week because none of their quarterbacks are healthy. It's either between him and Garrett Gilbert. I don't know where he's from necessarily, but yeah, Kyle Shermer, the son or whatever, Pat Shermer, who used to be with the Bengals, starting for Washington, which is like the the same exact story arc of how Taylor Heineke ended up as the starter last year. So that's just a thing with Washington. But yeah, good for Mike Daniels. I mean, if a team needs a defensive tackle, Mike Daniels is available for for your services if you are so inclined. So he's always ready. Yeah, yeah, that's also that's a good point. I mean, it may not even be with the Bengals. It may be for for another team there um, if they opt to not protect him and and uh, he gets scooped up elsewhere. So let's uh, keep rolling on here. I think we had one. Um, we had one in the live chat and on CincyJungle.com that kind of tied in a little bit to a text and some earlier questions from Terrell. And that is essentially, uh, there was a text from 513 asking something similar and D turn, I think it was on the live comment thread. You know, how do you foresee the last four games playing out? Will it be enough to make the playoffs? 513 asked season feels lost now. Can they recover and win three of four? Uh, Terrell was saying, you know, We'll see how the last four games go. I don't know, man. How are you how are you feeling about this stretch here? Particularly from what we saw from the two teams last night. I, I don't have any expectations at this point. I, I'm expecting everything and nothing at the same time. Um the, this game against Denver, I expect it to be pretty close. Um I'm expecting them to make mistakes until they've shown that they can play another clean game. I, I don't think there's any reason to necessarily worry about the Ravens or the Browns. And I say that knowing what the Browns have been doing to the Bengals, but at a certain point, that that's got to swing in the other way, especially especially with 
all of the issues that they've had to deal with this year and what they're dealing with right now. Who knows how the rest of their season is going to unfold with how COVID is basically eviscerating the roster. But the Chiefs, I mean, they look really good. You know, it was silly of me to count them out as early as I did. I didn't think that their defense just had it in them this year and Mahomes was just going to have a bad year, but they're the Chiefs and they've turned it around. So that, that's the one game I, I would say if you're a Bengals fan, you probably shouldn't have any confidence in until they prove you wrong. But the other three, they probably have to win them to be comfortably in the playoffs. And I think they have a good chance in all three of those games. So anything can happen. They do. Um, and even with the Chiefs looking like they've finally hit their stride here, there are a couple of, you know, Mahomes has thrown some uncharacteristic picks. There have been some drops by some of their star players on offense. And we know that they struggled through the first part of the season. So they have shown more vulnerabilities than, than, than you know, years past. But they still look to be a really good team. And they are hitting their stride right now. Baltimore's in a little bit of a tailspin. It looks like Lamar Jackson may not play this week because of the, the ankle injury. Uh, and then you've got, you know, all kinds of other injuries on that roster. Marlon Humphrey and, and others that have just really kind of torpedoed their season so and then they've got the Packers this weekend so that's a tough one for them Browns are I think you mentioned are just have been ravaged by by COVID and we'll see what happens over the next 24 hours because they're set to play on Saturday uh and they have a a decently difficult game against the Raiders there and if they are going to keep that scheduled um with with a lot of players off the roster there I don't know how that one's going to go for them so that's uh, you know, something to, to kind of think about. And I, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, they got to win three of the next four. Yeah. I mean, that's the ideal get 10 wins and that's the safest way in. I still think there's probably, there's probably going to be a path where if they win two and it has to be against the two AFC North teams, if they win two, that could be something that puts them in contention for the division crown at nine wins. Maybe, you know, maybe a wild card at that point, given just how Jekyll and Hyde everybody else is in the conference. I mean, nine and eight could win the division for all we know, too. So, right, right. Yeah. We're just going to have to see how this all plays out. But I wanted to get to we had a couple questions about this Sunday in terms of who's going to be returning punts. Mm. And I don't think we've got like an official declaration from any coaches or the team in general. We just know that there's been a handful of guys practicing at that spot. It's been Trent Irwin, um, Chris Evans, I think, has gotten some run, and um, uh, Trent Taylor. And Trent Taylor is interesting because I think the team um, protected him on the practice squad this week. So they wanted to at least give him a chance to do that. We've had Charlie Goldsmith come on the program and and declare that that is who he thinks is going to replace Darius Phillips. I think someone said that um, is Darius Phillips actually hurt or they just put him on IR. I think he is actually hurt because he did hurt his shoulder after that first uh, muff punt. But this was kind of like, you know. We, we don't want you returning punts, but you also can't play. So just go to the, right. just go to IR. So right. I, I don't have an official prediction. I, I think it, I, I guess maybe Taylor. I don't know. I would have probably said Irwin earlier in the week because he's actually on the roster and he's returned punts earlier this year. But this team has not shied away from giving new guys new chances on a week's notice. So maybe that's maybe that's the case this week. Yeah, I think I think Taylor might be the guy too. Um, I don't think they want to risk Boyd back there again. I think they, you know, Puka is a guy that could be interesting for them. And and uh, you know, unfortunately, with the Brandon Wilson injury and the ineffectiveness of of Phillips, that's just been a mess in terms of returning kicks this year. So they've had to kind of adjust on the fly a little bit there. But uh, yeah, I'll go I'll go with Taylor in terms of returning punts. I think he was a guy that 
really impressed them in the spring and early summer. And then, you know, the buzz kind of died off with the Trenton Irwin buzz and, and other guys. So that might be a guy who comes back and uh, plays, plays a, a role for him on special teams. So we will see, we had one, uh, gosh, where was that? Was it a text? I think it might've been a text. Um, no, where was that one? I'll have to look again. Um, do you see another one, John, that you want to grab here? Well, well, just I, I don't see uh, another question, but just to expand on that, we've been talking a lot about pump returns, but they also need a new kick returner too because that's what Darius Phillips was doing as well, and they put in Stanley Morgan in for him last game, and obviously they don't want to go back to that. So I don't know off the top of my head if Trent Taylor has actual kick returning experience. I know he's returned punts in the past with the 49ers, but that is also something that they have to prepare for. And I'm sure they're doing this week, but it's weird how we haven't really heard any developments on that. And like none of the conversations surrounded that as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I did find the other question, by the way, it's from uh, it's in our email email account. Um, are the terribly slow starts every week, a matter of play calling only or are players not just geeked up for some reason thoughts. Now, We've heard a couple of from a couple of players. I think T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, in recent weeks, kind of saying, "Yeah, this, the the slow starts. You know, maybe the energy level wasn't there to start the game, right?" I mean, I think they said that uh, the past couple of losses, or at least the one um, against the Chargers. You know, they publicly said that in the post game press conferences. I think Joe Burrow kind of debunked that from his own vantage point. So. You know, I, I think it might be a combination of both, but I, it depends on who you ask. And I think I don't I don't think Joe Burrow being ramped up for a, for a game is ever going to be an issue uh, or ill prepared or anything like that. But um, you know, I, this kind of goes back a little bit to, to some of our previous conversations, though. Yeah, I'm never comfortable saying that guys aren't prepared to play or their mind isn't right. We don't know what goes on in the pregame tunnel. We don't know what goes on the sidelines in these things. And it's just it always feels weird for an outsider to speculate on some of that stuff. And it's just impossible to tell. Honestly, I think I think Goodberry has said something like this. I think the the opening script of some of these games have have got better schematically and more logical and sensical. It's just been honestly mistakes. And those mistakes can lead to turnovers, and they certainly have. And then you can attribute that to just a lack of focus and whatnot. But it could just be just guys making mistakes on the field. I don't really think it has anything to do with um, just being mentally in the game or just not ready to play. Like it, it, it's it's weird for, for people who don't play the sport to kind of comment on that. I've never really really been comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, and and some of the mistakes are just youth you know youth grow through it type of thing like we've we've talked about ad nauseum and others seem to be a little bit more mental mistakes i mean but it just you know it it seems also that zach and the offense are a little bit of the mindset of let's you know we've got a script of plays for early on um but we also want to see kind of how the game dictates things to us right uh it, it seems like they want to see what the defense is is showing them they want to kind of get a feel for how things are looking in the game and if you notice when they get at least especially early in the season when they got off to some of those slow frustrating starts i mean i think the first 
the first opening drive touchdown they scored was that touchdown in Detroit to, to Chris Evans, right? Wasn't that the first opening drive touchdown yeah. they scored of the season? So that was what week six or something like that, week seven. Um, that so some of those slow starts, if you notice, where while they were having a lack of success there, where they were killing it was right before and right out of halftime when they kind of had a feel as to what the game was was doing, what the opposing defense was giving them, what they weren't giving them. And then, of course, kind of utilizing a short amount of time on the clock to, you know, kind of hurry up offense, all that kind of stuff to to make some plays, especially as we're talking before half. But then you kind of collect yourself at halftime, maybe make a couple adjustments, go out there and, and score points right out of the gates. That's kind of how they've operated, it seems to me. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and I think they've done a great job of identifying what defenses are doing and having counters to do that. But ultimately, it just comes down to just making the plays. And when they have made the plays, yeah. we've commended them for it. When they haven't, we've put it on coaching for some reason. But I think it has to go both ways there. Yeah, uh, we're we're running a little long here. Any other questions that we have missed that you want to get to that you find interesting, John, before we hop out of here? Uh, we had one from Orange Arrow. And if okay. you guys haven't listened to it, you definitely listen to Anthony and him uh, breaking down fantasy starts and sits every Thursday. Uh, he's asking, do you think is this is Kevin Huber's last year with how many times they keep bringing back Drew Christman? Man, Drew Christman has put a lot of mileage on his like Delta Rewards program this year. He's been on like <laughs> at least four practice squads. I think he was on Pittsburgh's practice squad for like 48 hours or something like that. But he is back in his hometown. And yeah, I think. The, the idea of, of signing one of the best uh, college punters um, th- this past offseason with Kevin Huber being 36 in the last year of his deal and honestly not having a year up to Kevin Huber's standards, I think that was always kind of the plan. And they were never really worried about having a rookie punter go, go away from them on the practice squad because typically they end up going back, being available and being able to be signed back to where they originally were from. So... I think that's still definitely something that they're thinking about. And the fact that Kevin Huber has not really looked tremendous this year is only kind of maybe accelerating that plan. Yeah, it's been Darren Simmons. I've said this in the last few articles I've, I've written on Cincy jungle. Darren Simmons is a long, well-respected coach in this league. He's actually had a couple of head coaching interviews, I think, including one with the Bengals when, when Zach Taylor ended up being selected for it. It's been a rough year for special teams, and I know the rookie kicker uh, McPherson has been pretty dang good and won a couple of games for him at the end and had a, had a couple of clutch late kicks. He's missed a couple of of biggies too, but for the most part, he's been a very good draft pick. It's been kind of an up and down year for Kevin Huber, and then as we mentioned, the the kick and punt return issues have been glaring. Um, thankfully, not you know no snap issues or anything like that. That's that's not something that uh, has been plaguing him, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you could be looking at potentially Chrisman taking over the job last year. The Bengals clearly like him. They brought him onto the practice squad a couple of times. The other thing to look at is, you know, I mentioned snapping. Clark Harris is getting up there in age. He's playing very, very effectively. But, you know, do you kind of start over with this new battery of special teams studs that you have in terms of your punter, your long snapper, and your kicker? Um, do you, is that kind of part of the reset there i don't know uh harris is a fan favorite and he's been a solid solid player a former pro bowler with the Bengals. um so i you know i'm not ready to shove him out of the door but he is getting up there in age and i don't know if that's part of the plan there if the Bengals look to move on from huber as well yeah it's just a lot of things that we take for granted i think when we're watching these games um 
I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I think there was a game a long time ago against the Broncos when Brad St. Louis, the former long yeah. snapper, had a not so good moment. And Shingram, I think, shanked a field goal on like Christmas Eve that eliminated their playoff hopes against the Denver Broncos. We haven't really. There we go. There you go. All fixed now. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> we, we take these things for granted because Clark and Kevin have been rock solid on field goals. And, you know, I think that's just a problem that has just kind of gone away from the NFL in general. We don't really see bad snaps and bad holds anymore. Sometimes we see laces not being out, but. You know, it's it's been a stable of consistency, and there's a reason why Simmons has been here for as long as he has, and those guys have been with him for as long as they have as well. So, w- when it happens, it happens. But um, yeah, I think we we just kind of forget to appreciate the the things that we don't normally appreciate during the game, and we kind of take for granted. Yeah, I I don't know if a lot of folks remember the pre Marvin Lewis special teams under Al Roberts. We're talking like Travis Dorsch was your punter and kicker. Yeah. Travis Dorsch. We're talking the bad Neil Rackers, not the actual decent Neil Rackers that showed up in Houston. Um, (laughs) Just, I mean, there was a Tremaine Mack Pro Bowl year as a returner, kickoff returner in there. Um, But largely, special teams were a disaster for the Bengals for a number of years. Pelfrey was pretty good for, you know, throughout the 90s. But, um, so, you know, Simmons, I, I know this hasn't been a good year and it's easy to point out, especially what happened last week. But, um, you know, it's been far more stable than it was even up to the year before he came to the Bengals with Marvin Lewis. So you got to give him a little bit of credit there. Anything else, John, before we uh, we hop on out of here? I see a nice compliment from uh, Kelly Bellaro, who tunes Thank in. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, anything else you want to get to before we we bounce on out of here, John? Yeah, but Mark Fry is asking, are the Bearcats going to win the championship? I mean, I don't know, man. They're playing out. Of course they're going to win the championship. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Bryce Young? Really? No John Mechie playing against the best secondary in the league? You saw Travis Kelsey last night scoring that game-winning touchdown, throwing up the UC. That's represent. He's going to be the first UC Bearcat Hall of Famer, and God dang, if he's not worthy, if he's not the perfect representation of UC right there, we're going to shock the world in Dallas, and then we're going to beat Michigan or Georgia, whoever comes there. We're going to win the the championship for sure, Mark. There you go. I love it. I think we just did the UC deal in unison right there. That was was pretty sweet. We got to get that. We got to... Rewind that and see if that we did that just in unison there. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, go UC. I'm pulling for him. I, you know, I'm I didn't go to the school, but uh, pulling for him. Hope they do well in the in the playoffs. And uh, I, I think that I think they might surprise some people. I think I might they might surprise some people. So, at any rate, let's get on out of here. I want to thank everybody for your questions, how you submitted them, a number of different ways. Let's hope the Bengals get one against the Broncos. You know, it's it's going to be a tough one, but I think. John, I think if the Bengals, if they score beyond 24 points, I don't think Denver can keep up with them, really, their offense and and what they like to do. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but I think if the Bengals surpass 24 points, this should be a, a win in their in their pocket. Yeah, it's definitely something that people lo- like to say when fa- when facing teams without really good quarterbacks, but I, I think it ultimately matters like how the game goes and how they can potentially get those 24 points. If it comes down to the Bengals just taking an early lead, and they pile on like with 24, like in the first three quarters or whatnot, then yeah, I think it would be tough for Teddy Bridgewater to come back, even against a secondary with the Bengals that doesn't have Chido Bay Wouzier. But if there's some game control issues and, and the Broncos kind of lean on the running game, who may or may not have 
star rookie Javante Williams, that could lead to some troubles with the Bengals. And it, it, it's tough, man. Like the Bengals have at least 10 of their um, starters on offense. They should have no real issue going, putting up points against the Broncos, but it's been an issue in the last couple of weeks now, just tripping over their own footing. So this, this has to be a week where they have things right because they can't really afford to take any more losses. It is. It is. Um, thanks for the nice comment from Crypt Keeper there as well. And hey, we're going to, we're going to, uh, Andrew wants my score prediction. Hey, Andrew, uh, you got to go back to the last show and you got to listen. We gave score predictions uh, after we talked with Charlie. So uh, not to be a jerk, but you got If you want to find that out, you got to go to the last show and check it out to, to see what we it Sounds like that. he didn't listen at all. I don't know. Oh, disappointing. Disappointing. I know. But hey, We'll see everybody on Sunday for the post-game wrap and enjoy the rest of your football weekend. And uh, I think everybody's gearing up for the holidays coming up here over the next uh, really couple of weeks between Christmas, New Year's, et cetera. So, um, yeah, great, great talking with you again, John. It's been a busy week, but a fun one. Yeah. Um, happy holidays to whatever holidays you guys are celebrating out there. And we will talk to you next week. Take it easy, everybody.